eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. Baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. All is right in the West. The Dodgers are the 2022 NL West Division champions. Hi again, everyone. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris with you today for episode four of Inside the Ravine, a brand new Dodgers podcast for Dodger fans presented by Odyssey Sports. Uh, Blake, we're only four episodes into this thing and the Dodgers once again on top of the NL West division. And finally, it's officially official. Um, They're wearing the division crown. Yeah, it took them long enough. It only took them, what, 141 games, which is an absurd amount. Normally, you're clinching the division in like game 155 or 160, but they decided, no, let's just clinch with three weeks left in the season. I don't know like what the record is. I didn't hear it mentioned on the broadcast or read in any article like what the earliest date is a team has clinched the division. So I don't know if this was record-breaking for the Dodgers, but if I were to guess... If it's not the record, it has to be pretty close because, again, with three weeks to go, it's it's almost unheard of. Well, if you listen to our last show, and obviously I hope that you did, um, it's not too late to go back and listen to that too. But on the last episode, we had talked about how the Dodgers had just clinched a playoff spot, which, of course, we kind of talked about how in baseball, the playoff spot itself, while you're sitting in first place in the division and the division title is coming up, does it really matter all that much? We kind of said no. Well, it turns out Major League Baseball was wrong. The Dodgers had not yet clinched the division. They did clinch the next day. Um, but uh, now here we are recording episode four. And not only are the Dodgers in the playoffs, um, but they've won uh, the National League West. Uh, so, Blake, that kind of, I guess, you know, we talk about what's the difference between this year and last year. And I think that there are a lot of similarities, but there are a lot of differences and you actually just recently worked on a piece that I think you put out uh, this morning um, that kind of talked about this year's team and, and and where it's at right now, as opposed to this point last year when the Dodgers, of course, uh, took it down to the wire but did not win the National League West. Uh, their only season not winning the division in the last 10 years. 
Yeah, so if you guys want to read the full article, I love that Josh uh, kind of pubbed it a little, but you guys can go subscribe to my Substack, blakeharris.substack.com. You can read all my daily Dodgers articles there. But yeah, I posted an article this morning pretty much talking about how different this year's division title was compared to last year and also just the run to get there because as you all remember last year, the Giants, they won 107 games. It literally went down to the final game of the season. Dodgers were one game back. They needed to win. The Giants needed to lose. Obviously, the Dodgers won to win their 106 game, a franchise record, but the Giants won as well. But if you remember, Josh, I'm sure a lot of people remember as well, that month of September just seemed so grueling. It just seemed like the Dodgers were doing whatever they could to win every game. And it seemed like no matter how many games they were winning, the Giants would win every night the Dodgers did, and it seemed like they just couldn't make up any ground. I mean, I, I don't remember the last couple of months, but I don't feel like the Giants ever had a lead of, like, more than four games. The Dodgers, like, were always within two to four games, but for some reason they could just never catch him, and just caught up to him at the end. Max Muncie, he had that awful injury. Justin Turner, like, completely ruptured his hamstring in that postseason game. Clayton Kershaw got hurt. I mean, the injuries the Dodgers took trying to catch the Giants, it played a toll, and I think ultimately it cost them in October against the Braves in the NLCS, because if you remember as well, just playing the Giants in that five-game series was grueling in itself, so this year, completely switched. I mean, the last two or three months, the Dodgers have just completely distanced themselves from the rest of the pack. They've had no worries whatsoever. They've been able to rest guys here and there. They've been able to skip guys in the rotation, and they've just been able to casually go into October, which they're going to do now, as you saw the starting lineup today. This is the ultimate, we just clinched the division, it's official, get every star player out of the lineup and every bench piece in because now not that anyone was going to, you know, the Padres weren't going to catch the Dodgers being 19 games back, but now that the division is officially clinched again, over the next few weeks, I wouldn't be shocked if we see more games of Dodgers resting players, hopefully avoiding injuries. And even if players aren't getting injured, just the stress of not having to deal with, okay. I mean, obviously you want to win every game, but last year it was like, no, we have to win every game. Now it's just, We'd like to win, but we don't need to, you know, put all of our eggs into one basket and try to get it done. So uh, what what a difference from last year. I mean, I think we all expected the Dodgers to be the division champs once again this year. I don't think we were expecting the Giants to repeat what they did last year. Padres certainly kind of fell off a bit, but we all expected the Dodgers to be at this point. But personally, I was expecting maybe the final week of the season. I know we, we go down to San Diego in a couple weeks for a final three-game series, and I remember months ago thinking, man, that final three-game series with the Padres with a week left in the season, that's probably going to determine the division, but turns out none of these games are mattering at all, so I'm very happy that we can just settle down for the next few weeks, and like, like I talked about, Go into October fully healthy, stress-free, and then once, you know, October 6th or 7th rolls around, flip the switch and play some postseason baseball. Now, I kind of want to play devil's advocate here for a minute, and and I don't disagree with you whatsoever. I, I do not disagree. Um, but kind of my question to my question that I want to propose is, is this situation that the Dodgers are currently in, is that because of the Dodgers? Or is it because the Dodgers are just significantly better than they were last year? Which, spoiler, I don't think they are significantly better. I think they are a much better team. I don't think they are significantly better than they were last year because they were still really good and won 105 games or whatever it was. Um, but is it also 
uh, is it a combination of them being a better team, but also that the rest of the division, specifically the Giants, have just fallen off? And it's a combination of those two that have allowed the Dodgers to clinch the division on September 13th. That's the crazy thing about this. It's not like last year the jo- the Dodgers and Giants were back and forth and the Giants finished with 96 wins and the Dodgers finished with 95. Like the Dodgers literally won 106 games where that was the most wins ever by a team that didn't win their division. 99.99% of the time, if you win 106 games, you're going to win the division. It's just that the Giants, again, with their voodoo magic, they pulled something off last year where they just couldn't lose. They had these insane comebacks. They were getting career years out of everyone. So that's the thing is, like you said, the Dodgers, I know this team, you know, they're on pace for 110, 111 wins, but yeah, they're not significantly better than last year because... They did win 106 games. In most circumstances, the Dodgers finish with the best record in the NL. They have home field advantage throughout the entire playoffs, and they're having home field in the NLCS, which I think makes a difference. So, like you said, the reason it's so unique is just because, again, last year, the Dodgers were such a good team. This year, they're, you know, slightly better, but they don't have, you know, a team like the Padres two or three games out of the mix right now on pace to win 105 games. Padres are still really good. I think they're on pace to probably win 90, 92 games, which is solid in most years. So yeah, it's just not having that team breathing down their neck like it was last year. But aside from that, again, they're essentially neck and neck with what they were doing last year. Yeah, offensively. Now, right now, the Dodgers have played 142 games at the time of recording. They're currently in the process of playing game 143. So 20 fewer games in their stats than their final offensive stats from last year. But right now, the Dodgers are the number one offense in the league uh, in a number of different categories. But overall, they're the number one offense in the league. The Dodgers last year offensively were top five, but they weren't number one. Um, At this point last year, they were not quite in the current position they are in. But, I mean, what's ridiculous is you look down and you see where the final numbers were last year. They scored 830 runs. This year, they're already at 768 in 20 fewer games. Um, they had 1,300 hits. Right now, they are right. All, they're approaching 1,300 hits already with 20 fewer games played. Uh, the home runs, uh, it is a drop-off from last year, but the run total looks like it might surpass it. Uh, and then what's interesting is when you look at all of those averages and like the percentages, uh, right now, again, 20 fewer games than their final stats last year. But they have a higher team batting average, higher on-base percentage, higher OPS, higher slugging. And then the one that I think doesn't really matter all that much to the total offense, but it contributes a little bit here, is uh, the stolen bases are just way different. The Dodgers in 162 games last year stole 65 bases. With 20 games to play, the Dodgers have swiped 89 bags this year. Um, And that's another thing that stands out. And that's not even going into the pitching, which I think we can point out. you have gotten production from quite literally everybody who has started a game for the Dodgers this year. Um, And the bullpen continues to be reliable too. And that's something that we touched on uh, last week in the mailbag was who's been the most surprising this year. And I think when it came down to best, best surprise as opposed to worst surprise, but best surprise, there was not one player to choose from. We both chose different guys. And I think we both highlighted other guys at the same time. Um, when it came to the pitching. So, I mean, that's that's a huge part of it, too. Um, the one other thing that I will say to play devil's advocate, though, is that it was around this time of year when things started to get kind of worse for the Dodgers, at least from the lineup standpoint, healthy um, injuries. 
Um, it was around this time of year when, you know, God forbid something like this happens again, that Muncie, who had started to, to get going towards the end of the year, um, suffered his injury. Um, and then Kershaw was out. And it was those final weeks of the season where everything kind of went downhill for the Dodgers and they had to try to make up that ground come playoff time. And obviously, I think that we both are kind of on the same page thinking if they were healthy in the postseason last year, they probably would have done some damage. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is that when you think about it, the fact that they took Atlanta to six games, no Max Muncy, who was, you know, probably their best hitter, you know, all of last season, Clayton Kershaw, he missed the entire postseason, Justin Turner, the best playoff performer in Dodgers history. I forget what point he got injured, I think in the NLDS, but it was, I think, fairly early on in the postseason, he was out as well. And again, the Dodgers took the Braves to six games. So without all those guys, without home field advantage, they were still able to battle. And again, like I talked about earlier, this is coming off 162 games where they battled and fought for 162 games. You can make the case, again, you play to win every game, as one uh, Herm Edwards once said. The Dodgers, ever since probably... July, maybe like after the All-Star break, they haven't really needed to just, again, give it their all because of their huge lead in the division, which I think is going to be a huge come playoff time. And something, uh, one one topic I wanted to bring up with you, because this is an interesting discussion that I'd love to hear your thoughts on. The division's locked up. You know, you have, you have pretty much, I think, a 10-game lead when it comes to best record in the National League. So, they're going to be clinching best record in the National League in the coming weeks, I'm sure. They're going to be clinching best record in baseball. So truly, barring an epic collapse, they're going to clinch the best of everything. If you're the Dodgers, like today, for example, the resting Mookie, the resting Trey, the resting Freddie, you want to make sure that these guys avoid injuries at all costs come October. So how much rest do you consider giving these guys? And is there is there a worry that potentially giving them too much rest can maybe take them out of a groove? We already know that, like we've talked about as well, there's like that five or six day gap from once the season ends to when the NLDS begins. So they're already going to have a week off then. But if you're the Dodgers, like how many games do you want your stars playing in the coming weeks? Because as we saw last year with the Max Muncy freak injury play, Justin Turner just running out of the box, his hamstring's gone. Kershaw just in the blink of an eye, he can get injured. So are you concerned at all that with three weeks of meaningless games, there is that chance of injury? Or do you want these guys just getting consistent at bat still? Well, I think that from a non-baseball standpoint, it's probably not healthy for you to mentally be projecting something bad to happen, um, which I think uh, I think us Dodger fans can be pretty cynical sometimes, so you never know. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, like you're absolutely right. Like Kershaw, and, and we're, we're going to touch more on Kershaw in a couple of minutes, but you know, we had seen Kershaw have some weird freak injury a couple weeks ago in San Francisco, just warming up, and he got hurt and left the game. So you never know what's going to happen. It's sports, it's life. Um, but those things are scary, but I don't know. I mean, I think that those concerns are always there. It's like, it's like football, uh, specifically college football, beating your week one FCS opponent by 55 points after three quarters. Your Heisman candidate starting quarterback doesn't need to be in the game in the fourth quarter to run up the stats. At the same time, I think there is something to be said that Freddie and Trey have been going back and forth all season for the Major League Hits lead. Um, neither one of them want to come out of the game, and they have both been rested a few times recently. Um, and I think that's a good thing to see. You know, uh, Mookie has been out of the lineup. Uh, there, There's also been the trend from years past where it seems like 
when uh, Dave Roberts gives somebody an off day, he gives them an off day. You could come down to the final strike in the ninth inning or a final out in the ninth inning, and if Mookie Betts is on the bench, he's probably not coming in if the game is not that important because it's an off day for Mookie. So I think that that is something that we continue to see throughout the season because, yes, of course, you don't want to take your foot off the gas. Uh, of course, you don't want to anticipate injuries. You need to come somewhere in the middle. So if you're resting these guys to a decent amount, like rest the guys to an extent, but also play to win the games throughout the season. If anything, I think I would be more cautious with the pitching than I am with everybody else in the lineup. And that's something that is a callback to episode one that we talked about too, just a couple of weeks ago was um, the pitching is where I think you might want to have guys with a little bit shorter leash. Yeah, which is why guys like Michael Grove are making a spot start today to just give guys some extra time, some extra rest. But yeah, again, last year, if you need a win, I'm sure Julio's going into the seventh. Tyler Anderson's going into the eighth. Now, you could pull him after five, pull him after six. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next three weeks. If it was up to me, I'd be going to the Home Depot. I'd be getting all the bubble wrap they have. I'd be going down (laughs) to Dodger Stadium myself. I'd be saying, all right, Mookie, get in, roll in. And I'd be rolling them all up, and I'd be rolling out this triple-A uh, lineup they got out there tonight because the crazy thing is this lineup they have with Hanser, Barnes, you know, Miguel Vargas, they could probably win 60% of the games remaining over the rest of the season. So, hey, if we want to bubble wrap the superstars to make sure they're healthy for October, by all means go. But, Josh, I know we <laughs> want to talk about a, a certain Clayton Kershaw. Uh, I'll throw oh, yeah. it to you because uh, yeah, I mean... this is something that, that we should talk about. Yeah, I mean, man of a thousand words last night with uh, the post-game speech of the century. Um, I mean, this is up there with uh, with uh, uh, Herb Brooks, you know, miracle pre-game speech. Let's take a listen. Hey. This starts with him. I just want to say I love you guys, and thank you for being so good, because it's really fun to be on this team. So let's have a play. Let's go! I mean, just a wordsmith, <laughs> just a wordsmith, that man, Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> like, you, you just clinched the division, you throw it over to your Hall of Fame pitcher. Now, granted, you know, he this is like division number 13 for him or something that he's had in his career, so it's not like it's his first or second. So, at this point, I don't know how exciting these, you know, celebrations are, but you guys are good. Thanks. And he's not wrong. It. That's true. Yeah, I mean... I mean He's he's not wrong. Like, thanks for being good guys. What's he gonna thanks say for... at this point? You know, right? Like, <laughs> the, like, like, think about it. Think about it. We've talked about last season. We talked about how grueling September was, and really all summer long, where every time the Dodgers win, the Giants win, and every time the Giants lose, and you're like, oh, the Dodgers could get a game back here. The Dodgers lose. So last year, to I mean, this is obviously you know they lost games last year, but really to no fault of their own, they were beaten out in the division. Like, they played well enough. They were good enough to win the division and came back into this year assuming that they were going to win the division again. So what else yeah. is there to say at this point other than, right. hey, guys, we're good, thanks, let's get more. Like, <laughs> Why even, like, well said. This, is what, this is what was so fascinating for me because, like, yesterday my girlfriend and I went to see a movie and she was like, can you record the game so we can see the celebration? And I was like, why? And she's like, oh, I want to see the celebration. And I was like... I mean, sure. And she's like, oh, you don't? And I was like, I mean, we've seen like, you know, 10 of these over the last decade. I know, Josh, I think one or two episodes ago, I brought up the whole one about Baltimore 
a couple yeah. of years back. And I don't know if you saw the clip I posted, but I found it. Yeah, I did. Where literally, see it. they're just they're doing like a handshake down the line. Same thing from last night. And I remember there are people on Twitter saying, "Man, do the Dodgers even really care that they're celebrating?" Like you said with Clayton Kershaw, like what's he going to say? But then I forgot. And they, they literally kept mentioning it, and I was like, man, why are they singling out Yancy Almonte and Andrew Heaney and Tyler Anderson? But then you realize those are the only three guys that are on the active roster that have actually never been to the postseason, just because essentially everyone was on this Dodgers team last year. They've been to the postseason in some form. So you have these guys that have done this so many times. But yeah, for like Andrew Heaney, this is like an insane deal for him. Like this whole, you know, champagne celebration is a massive deal for him, which you kind of forget about because, you know, like I said, We've seen him win so many division titles. It's kind of getting repetitive. It does feel sweeter this year after missing it last year. So I will say, like, it does feel better than in previous years. But yeah, you kind of forget that for some of these guys, like, it's actually a huge, huge deal. But for some of them, it's like, okay, yeah, we we're we're drinking and getting drunk again off Budweiser and Miller Lite. Yeah. And apparently, they had some <laughs> apple. They had apple cider there too last night for those really? non-alcoholic drinkers. Wow. Yeah. I want to take honestly, names of who's drinking the apple cider. Honestly, a good apple cider, though, good is a game changer. Um, but but yeah, I mean, you kind of said it. I mean, this is, we we you know they've been expecting this, so so it is a little bit sweeter after last year. Um, but good to hear Kershaw say those those that those great that great illustrious you know speech. A little long for my taste. Um, but who, who better I do to say add it one, than Kershaw? I want to add one thing on Kershaw. I don't know how much of the celebration you were watching. The fact that he was the only one the entire night that had his shirt off in the clubhouse. <laughs> I didn't even he notice. He was the only one. Dad bod Kershaw, which, by the way, this dude is, he's got a dad bod, but he's pretty jacked as well. But everyone on Dodgers Twitter, they're hoping to see Joey Gallo shirtless. They're hoping to see Trace Thompson shirtless. But instead, no. It's the veteran Clayton Kershaw that's the only guy taking his shirt off and is just pounding beers, just pouring them down his chest, down his pecs at the age of 33 or 34, however old he is now. Well, after Scherzer last year, I think Kershaw needed to follow it up with, uh, with a night of his own. But beyond okay. last night, <laughs> since, since that injury in August at San Francisco, Kershaw has come back, and, and, and again, like th- that early August injury, the freak injury, he leaves the game with um, the back injury while just warming up to go in, out there for the fifth inning. Um, that was one of those moments where you thought, okay, here we go. You know, this this could be it where yeah. we start getting all those injuries. Well, not only does Kershaw recover, but he comes back just about a month later. And in three games since coming back, he's given up just three earned runs in 18 innings with 19 strikeouts and just four walks. And in all that time, 18 innings, he's given up eight hits. Um, so Kershaw continues to come back. His ERA is just dropping game after game. And in those, in the month of September, a 150 ERA um, and a whip at .67. So kind of getting to the play. Obviously, you want to finish strong and you want to see him stay healthy. But this is kind of the Kershaw we wanted to see when he came back from the injury, if he was going to come back. And here he is doing classic Clayton Kershaw things. I mean, the crazy thing is, yeah, the the three games that he's been back now, you know, he's been phenomenal, but... This entire season has been one of his better seasons since, you know, his like Cy Young run that he had, you know, seven or eight years ago, whenever that was. 
I don't have the numbers like if you take out a certain start, but there was that one start against Colorado at Coors Field where he got lit up. I think it was something like six runs and two or three innings. But I remember a while back, if you just go and take out that one start, his mm-hmm. numbers on the year is something like an ERA under two, like insane numbers across the way. But yeah, the fact that in year 15, he's doing this on a consistent basis, obviously twice he's taken a perfect game, you know, through seven innings this year. But yeah, the, the biggest thing is the fact that ever since he came back off the IL, he's been fantastic. Like you said, that what, what was his ERA over his three starts since he's returned? It was like 1.6 1. 1. or 150. something. Yeah, like, that's absurd. Like, he missed yeah. a month, didn't go on a rehab, you know, assignment, just came back, and he's been fantastic through seven scoreless innings last night. I mean, doesn't, you know, he's not walking anyone. I know he had that one game in New York where he walked a ton of people in the first inning, but really bounced back after that. So, I mean, this is just vintage Kershaw. And again, I, I know he has the whole history of postseason meltdowns, but a lot of people have to remember he has so many other great outings that just get forgotten about because of, you know, a few really bad outings. And the Dodgers desperately missed him last year. I mean, that starting rotation could have used Clayton Kershaw last year, but they didn't have him. So, yeah, getting a healthy Kershaw for October. Again, people forget just how good he is. And I think having Kershaw ready to go for another postseason run, uh, it, it really is going to be massive for the Dodgers. Well, a 244 ERA on the season, obviously kind of skewed a little bit from that one game. And over his last three starts, a 1.5 ERA. So Kershaw's back in the rotation. He's back to dealing. And we will take a break and be back in a minute. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, time for one of our favorite uh, parts of the show. And that's where we uh, open up that mailbag, Blake, and answer questions from the viewers. I know that you've got um, a couple of things prepared, so, uh, so let's see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get the mailbag right now, Josh. Picking it up. It's pretty heavy this week, but uh, we're just going to take a few ones. Uh, this one we actually got in uh, via a direct message to our Inside the Ravine account. And by the way, you guys can follow like the those. show at Inside the Ravine on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. You guys can send us DMs with your questions, or you can reply to uh, the tweet that's posted whenever we're getting ready to record a show. But this actually comes from Tyler Villa Lobos. Hopefully I said that right. Saying if th- This is actually a really good one. Uh, I'm interested to hear uh, your take on this. If you were to catch Albert Pujols' 700th home run ball, what would you want in return? And do you think he'd let you keep it, like the home run the home run to pass A-Rod? I don't know if you heard that story, but essentially, I think it was the home run that tied A-Rod. Um, it was like a Pirates fan that caught it, and I guess their like, dad died one year prior like on the exact date, and Pujols pretty much just said, keep it, like your dad would have wanted you to have it. A pretty like insane home run to want to have for your personal collection if you're Pujols, but he just said, you know, keep it. So, But this is home run 700 we're talking about. You know, only, what, three players currently have hit 700, so he'd be the fourth. So I guess, yeah, question one, if you catch it, what do you want in return for it? And two, do you think he would just honestly let you keep it? Um, I I don't know if he would let me keep it. I feel like he would. And as cool as that would be to have that ball in my possession and to just put it on the mantle and just have it forever, I think I would want to give it to him. Um, and I hope that he would take it. Um, I, I think I would be super basic, you know, um, take a photo, sign a different ball for me, or what I think would be cool was uh, help me get a Dodgers Pujols jersey. I think that would be really cool. On, on the flip side, which I would never ask, um, why don't we get lunch and just watch a baseball game? I just want to watch any game with him and kind of, just see how he watches the game. What is what is what stands out to him? How does he break down certain at bats by just watching them? I feel like he would be super chill to do that with. Um, I don't think that if I caught that home run, I would ask that of him because I feel like that would be weird. But I just think that if I could pick somebody, the reason why I say this is I think if I could pick somebody who was on the Dodgers the last couple of years who would be fun to just watch a game with, I think Pujols is up there for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. This one, again, it, it'd be cool to, like, have on display, but I would want him to have it unless he, like, straight up is just like, listen, like, I, I don't need it. Like, you can keep it. It's not a big deal. But, yeah, obviously, ask for, like, a signed ball, signed jersey, get a photo with him. Uh, I do like what you said, you know, asking to, like, get lunch and watch a game with him. Definitely something, you know, unique. So I might have to go off you and just say, yeah, I want to hang out, watch a game. Definitely ask for a hug from him, uh, a hug <laughs> like that. And then I think that'd be pretty much it. Like I said, as long as I can meet him, 
get a photo, get a few, you know, sign things. That's cool. Anything else is, I don't know if you heard of this a few weeks ago. There was uh, this rookie on the Red Sox hit his first career home run in Tampa Bay. And the fan that caught it was like a White Sox fan that was in Tampa Bay for something that just, you know, was at the game. And he essentially was like asking for like a signed ball, signed bat, signed jersey from the guy. He like wanted autographs from Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. And he was like asking for a lot. And it's like some, you know, rookie that just hit their first home run. You know, if this is, you know, Pujols getting 700, then I feel like maybe, you know, maybe you can get me a Paul Goldschmidt auto. Maybe you can get me a Nolan Arenado, but... <laughs> This is this, like, random rookie's first career home run, and the dude's holding out to get this package. I mean, I guess you hold all the power, but, you know, I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy, but... I want I, 750 I grand. <laughs> I want a million in lifetime season tickets Ooh. to the Dodgers, even though you're on the Cardinals now. No, just yeah. let me get a photo. Let me get a hug. Let me get a photo. Let me get some signed memorabilia. We got one more question, Josh, and this comes from Noel... Who is one player that you always wished would be a Dodger? Ooh, always wished. Um, I feel like the easy answer is like Trout. I think he would be fun as a Dodger just because he's Mike Trout. Same thing for Shohei. Like you pick those really good players. I got to be completely honest with you. I I had always liked Mookie when he was on the Red Sox. Um, So was always a big Mookie fan. Um, I think these last few years, um, since probably 2018, uh, I, I like Whit Merrifield. I think that Whit Merrifield would be a great Dodger. Um, but if I could pick one player in major league baseball right now, who I would love as a Dodger, I would get the Jersey or probably the shirt immediately is big man, Alec Manoa. That's my guy. And why is, why, and why is that Josh? Uh, he's a Cape guy. Um, that's my guy from the Chatham A's. Um, love Alec Manoa. Um, I would uh, I would love if Alec Manoa was a Dodger. That is a pipe dream because he was drafted like 11th overall and made his debut within a year. So I don't think the uh, the Blue Jays are letting him go anytime soon, especially after the season that he's been having. Um, uh, but yeah, Alec Manoa, that is a Dodger jersey I would get. I've always wanted Nolan Arenado just because I just always assumed when the Rockies just butchered whatever they were going to do with him, he'd end up in Los Angeles. They did butcher it, but he ended up in St. Louis, unfortunately. He does, I think, have an opt-out after this year or next year, so maybe. Maybe the dream can become a reality. I know he said he wants to stay in St. Louis, but I've always thought, because he's an L.A. guy, grew up a Dodgers fan, grew up going to Dodgers games, always figured he'd end up here. Also, I'm going to go with Shohei. I know this is not really going back that far, like, you know, 15 years or so, but when he was coming over, I thought he was going to be a Dodger. I still stand by the fact that he would have been had we had the DH, but without having the DH, I think that's the reason it didn't happen. So yeah, I'll go with Shohei and I'll go with a uh, Nolan Arenado, but that closes the mailbag. Again, if you guys want to submit questions for future episodes, hit us up on Twitter at Inside the Ravine, slide into those DMs on Twitter or on Instagram. Or TikTok, I, I think you can DM on TikTok. I'm still learning the whole process. But if if you're a TikToker, you guys can slide into the uh, DMs over there. So, unfortunately, Josh, no draft for us no. this show. But we are going to save, you know, our next draft and the results for the next show. So nothing to tease here. But again, if you guys have any ideas for drafts that we do, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know because there are literally endless things that we can do drafts on. So oh, yeah. if there's any, you know 
suggestions you guys have, let us know. So no draft to close out the show, but we are going to close out the show with something else. Josh, why don't you uh, explain what we're going to be closing out the show with this week? Yeah, so uh, shorter shows. We might have a couple of shorter shows uh, these next couple of days and throw a few in there. And I think we'll probably try to save the drafts for some of our longer shows so we can go more in-depth. But to close out the show this week, in honor of the Dodgers playing at Chase Field against the Diamondbacks, I, I, I thought that we should share a story from uh, our, our shared memories here, Blake, about from our freshman year of college, how you specifically, but I was there, had a run-in with a certain Major League Baseball mascot who currently lives out in the desert. Yeah, he goes by the name of Baxter, although the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks are a, uh, a rattlesnake for their mas- or for their team. They have a bobcat as their yeah. team mascot because apparently when the park opened, it was the Bank One Ballpark, and they said, well, the initials are B-O-B, Bob. We'll so. make a bobcat our mascot. So hey, and that that goes a lot that better was... than that goes a lot better than just having some dude named Bob walk around, or, and also just releasing rattlesnakes in the venue. So yeah. it makes sense. But a rattles a rattlesnake mascot would be hype though, with that arms cool. and legs walking around. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So I actually had to go back because the best part about this whole thing is this was all captured on video. I was mm-hmm. sitting there with my little GoPro just filming for whatever reason. So I had, to, I had to go back and actually watch this before you brought it up because it's been a long time since I've gone back and watched the video. So oh, it's in between great. innings. We're chilling. It's ASU night. We're having a good time. Dodgers are most likely beating the D-backs. I think they were playing the Dodgers. Maybe they weren't. Who knows? They probably Maybe they weren't. And for some reason, Baxter comes over. He spots me in the audience wearing my Dodgers jersey and he uh, takes my hat off my head, picks it up. It's kind of, you know, taunting me with it, kind of just getting the, the entire crowd, you know, going nuts, whatever. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, whatever. He then launches it about 20 rows up, you know, two or three sections over. And this thing was just launched. I mean, he my ultimately, fr- he ultimate frisbeed this thing. Yeah. This was everything he had in him and the hat's gone. And this is, you know, a nice fitted cap. I'm upset. I'm bummed. Now, Josh, something I didn't remember from the video, but I'm glad I went back and I rewatched it. 30 seconds go by. Baxter leaves. But Baxter comes back. Not for me, but Baxter comes back for you. So I don't know if you said something to Baxter that upset him, but he then reaches into someone's uh, bowl, dish, whatever was on their lap, takes a handful of French fries, and just flings these French rays at you. Hits yep. you directly in the face, all over your jersey. You look like you're getting ready to score it up. I think you had to be restrained by multiple people because it looked like you were about to charge Baxter and take yeah. him down. So my hat is long gone. You're just, you know, <laughs> sitting there covered in French fries. And we're both thinking, what the hell just happened? And then the best part about this, after Baxter just completely ended both of our lives, he then proceeds to go down three or four rows and sits with the Arizona State cheerleaders and starts hitting on them. I think he left with one. He might have left the game wow. with an Arizona State cheerleader, uh, as rumor has it. So this is all captured on video. I did get the hat back. I don't know how. I don't know if someone flung it back. I don't know if someone walked over so. me and gave it back. But I got the hat back. That's most important. Uh, your jersey was ruined forever with the smell of French fry. <laughs> but uh, so that's that's I don't our even know story. where that jersey is. That's our I story. I will say this. The reason why we tell this story now is not only did the video just pop into my head today, 
Um, but the video is funny. I just remember Baxter standing on the metal bleachers in front of us and just his body was like right in front of the two of us pointing at us. And I had a hat too. So I'm like crying laughing that that happened to you, but also like, this is wild. I cannot believe that just happened. So now I'm worried that I'm going to lose my hat. Um, but, uh, the reason we bring this up is so that we can announce now six or seven years later, our lawsuit against Baxter L Bobcat and that we will be taking him to court for damages to that Jersey and that hat. He can see us in court. I don't even know what happened to the hat. I think it's, I think it still exists. Maybe it was destroyed. Maybe I just couldn't take it anymore. The pain yeah. that a Baxter, the Bobcat <laughs> uh, gave to me that, that night, that warm evening in uh, in downtown Phoenix. So we might that's we our might story let it Baxter. go. We might let this one go, but we will never forget Baxter. If we ever see you at Dodger Stadium, we're not going to do anything except take your hat. So, yeah, Baxter, not not a not a friend, not a nice cat. No, to be completely no. honest. And we'd love to get him on the show one day and hear his side of the story if he'd be able to share with us. But I will be posting this video as a clip on our Twitter. So if you guys or on Instagram or TikTok. So if you guys would actually like to see footage of this encounter. Again, we did not make this up. We wish we were. But if you'd like to see footage of this encounter of Josh and I versus Baxter the Bobcat back in 2016, you can find it on our social medias at Inside the Ravine on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. Um, if you have children... I advise they don't watch it, but I mean, they could if they want to, but I, I, I don't recommend it. I do not recommend children watching it and watch it your own work at your own disposal because it, it might be disturbing. Right. Of course. Of course. Well, uh, like he mentioned, uh, you can find us on uh, social media at Inside the Ravine on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can follow Blake on Twitter at Blake Harris TBLA. I'm at Josh Schaefer 25. Uh, you can find this podcast uh, and all of the clips from it wherever fine podcasts are curated, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course, um, the always um, the always important Odyssey app. Um, we appreciate all of your feedback. So like Blake mentioned earlier, please feel free to leave us a rating. Also, uh, let us know what types of segments, drafts, um, and different stories you might like to hear uh, in the future. Uh, as always, this is a Dodgers podcast for Dodger fans. Uh, presented this week and every week by Odyssey Sports. And we're looking forward to talking to you this weekend. Blake, I don't know where you'll be. I will be up in the Bay for work, but the Dodgers will be there too. So the Dodgers are on the road. Uh, they've got uh, Thursday off, um, but then up in the Bay, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I'm going to try to take in a game while I'm there for work. And uh, we'll also uh, record a podcast while uh while i'm up there so we've got another podcast coming up in just a couple of days and uh we'll touch base then too are you gonna watch from home you, are you gonna you just can't escape the o.co coliseum that's why i'm you. really going back huh you need to go back <laughs> i don't blame you yeah i'll be here i've thought Where about it every day <laughs> i've thought about it every day that beautiful combination of a never-ending loading dock and a world war ii bunker it's just been rattling around in my brain ever since sunday afternoon hey man maybe i'll join on the mob so i can uh, i can experience <laughs> odako all over again yes absolutely well that does it for episode four of inside the ravine again you can follow us on twitter instagram and tiktok at inside the ravine we will talk to you in a couple of days. Until then, have a great night, everybody, wherever you may be.